Welcome to the podcast series on National Education Policy 2020 by the Center of Excellence in Teacher Education Initiative at Tata Institute of Social Sciences Mumbai. For this podcast, we plan to interview educationists and other stakeholders to share their responses and insights on different chapters of the education policy. Over to our host of today. Uh, so today's session is about foundational numeracy. So we have uh, Professor Dr. Arindam Bose with us. Uh, Arindam Bose is an associate professor at Center of Education Innovation and National Research (CEIAR), TIS Mumbai. He is the team lead, mathematics team in Connected Learning Initiative (CLIX) project, and a coordinator of science and mathematics education group (CEIAR). He is also the faculty coordinator of MA Education course, TIS Mumbai. I welcome you, sir, and thank you for your time, sir. um thank you i would request you to sir uh, please uh, give your opinion on the foundation foundational literacy and uh, numeracy part from the nep 2020 uh, thank you ashish for this uh, opportunity and for this invitation uh well uh, coming to the point directly foundation literacy and numeracy uh is uh, discussed in the present the current draft of national education policy 2020 in a in a very small paragraph rather on page 8 and page 9 and uh, it appears to me uh, or would appear to anyone who is engaged in mathematics education research as a as a very cursorily written part you know and it's not even uh, making it clear as to what foundation numeracy is of course in section 2.1 uh, which is part of foundational literacy and numeracy and an urgent and necessary prerequisite to learning it mentions that uh, numeracy is a record the ability to write and comprehend basic text and the ability to carry out basic addition and subtraction with indian numerals well so there are many things which many questions which emerge from here what we mean by numeracy is it only about the ability to read and write and to comprehend and only to carry out basic operations and that to with indian numerals so these are some of the questions which come to our minds the point is uh, that i would like to bring forth here is uh, when we when we talk about assessment and the ways to measure whether a child has really you know picked up numeracy and foundational literacy as the policy mentions then what are those measures you know how would those measures look like because there are many data in fact even my own research indicates that even grade 6 children are not able to write in fact more than 50% of my sample students were not able to write four digits digit numbers correctly or even five digit numbers correctly but and 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 and, and therefore the operations based on these numbers were also not very very correct to the extent that generally is expected at that stage and i'm not even talking about early childhood uh, <clears throat> care and education or preschool stage so you can wonder however the point to be noted here is even those children about whom i said they were not able to write four digit numbers they were actually able to take out equivalent amount of money from any any source you know you give them 
a bunch of different denominations of currency and ask them to take out that much of amount of money. For example, if you say, and I'm just giving an example, 2,725. Most children of that age would actually know that 2,725 actually means that you take out five or four or five 500 rupee notes and so on. That makes 2,500 and so on. And they can actually give you that much amount of money. Now, Ashish, my point is, uh, if they are able to do that, which actually means that they know numeracy, right? You cannot claim, we can't claim that the child doesn't have numeracy knowledge just because the child is not able to write those numbers properly in the way we want them to write. They may actually write 2007002025. Now, we want them to write producing the decimal representation making sure that the place values are intact but i don't think i mean according i mean this is my personal opinion and this is also reflected in many research literature this is not uh, a true reflection of whether the child has really attained numeracy knowledge you see so therefore my take here as you asked ashish about foundational literacy and numeracy i think we have to the policy should have been more clear on this. You know, there are many students who are in danger of getting labeled as they are not, they have not attained foundational literacy or numeracy just because they're not able to write those properly or they're not able to carry out operations in the way we want. Yeah, I, I, I fear that. The policy defines foundational numeracy as the ability to carry out basic addition and subtraction with Indian numerals, right? So, do you think this definition is apt for defining foundational numeracy? I find it a bit limiting. You know, it's not just about, uh, as I just mentioned and explained a while ago, it's not about the ability to read and comprehend basic text or ability to carry out basic, basic addition and subtraction and so on. You know, it's more than that. You know, in fact, so many of those children about which, uh, about whom I was describing. Where, uh, who were able to you know, identify different denominations of money you know, and they could calculate, they could add, subtract, you know, do whatever operations you want you know, using different denominations of currency, which indicates that they were able to operate, you know, what we, according to the definition, they are able to fulfill those. But if you ask them to write them down, you know, write those numbers down or you know, do in a written form, probably they wouldn't be able to do. And this is why I say that, you know, uh, there is a danger that many of these, and, and I, I think we, we are repeating the same error that we used to do before. And to me, this appears as, you know, old wine in the new bottle. Nothing beyond that. Uh, yes, yeah, so I feel the policy is actually limiting because uh, uh, the policy does not include the data of the number of students outside school who may have attained foundational numeracy. So how do you think the policy is looking at universalization of uh, foundational numeracy? Well, I really doubt that if, if uh, foundational, if uh, universalization of education is, uh, you know, dependent on uh, numeracy and foundational literacy, uh, well, then I have nothing to say. This is very hilarious. You know, it's uh, universal, universalization of elementary education which has been uh, the demand of you know various quarters of the country not just 
some of the NGOs or you know activists and so on. Uh, you know, it's we cannot. Uh, it, it would be very diluted form in the way the policy looks at it at the present. And if we try to, you know, cater to some of these uh, ideas, an example of that is in section 2.2. It says attaining found, and I'm quoting, attaining foundational literacy and numeracy for all children will thus become an urgent national mission. Why does it say that it will become as if it is not a mission right now? You see, I would hope rather that when you talk about, and, and as you said, uh, universalization of elementary education or universalization of you know, at least foundational literacy and numeracy, this is not the first time that we are talking about, this, about it. We have attained independence 75 years ago almost. And there has been past attempts, there has been many other uh, national curriculum frameworks, there were many other national education policies. I think there is a need to look back and see what worked and what did not work. And if something did not work, then why did not, why those did not work? Because many of those were good attempts. It's not that we are doing these things for the first time. So therefore, when section 2.2 says, attaining foundational literacy and numeracy for all children will thus become an urgent mission, it sort of takes into an account, it sort of says that, well, it has never been that mission and we are starting it for the first time. And I, that is deplorable according to me. I don't agree. I don't buy this statement. You know, we have been part of this. There has been national education mission. There has been mission on, you know, there has been attempts and missions and so on. In fact, the word, the phrase that you used, uh, universalization of education is an, is an old phrase. It's not new, right? So I really doubt if, uh, A, if, uh, universalization of elementary education or even foundational literacy should be linked with only knowledge of literacy and numeracy and not beyond that. So what is it about uh, universalization? You know? And secondly, I think it, uh, if we look at it from this perspective, it will be limiting the cause of universalization, you know, universalizing of uh, elementary education in that sense. Um, true, sir. I mean, the NEP kind, uh, NEP kind of highlights about foundational literacy and numeracy, and it recognizes it as the urgent and necessary prerequisite to learning. It states that the uh, other section, uh, the, the policy is re relevant to the students only if the most basic learning requirement, that is reading, writing, and arithmetic at foundational level is first achieved. So do you think this basic literacy and numeracy are prerequisite to learning? Well, on one hand, that's true. You know, uh, these are prerequisite. But the point is the way this portrays. You know, if you if you carry forward that definition of numeracy, which was put in 2.1, then that will be very limiting. And you know, if, if I look at examples of children from particularly coming from disadvantaged communities, tribal groups, and uh, and communities which really valorize work contexts. So children who have an exposure to work context knowledge or have an exposure to micro-enterprise, household-based micro-enterprises, where they are dealing a lot with not just different denominations of currency, but also different produce products. You know, they are part of that community practice of uh, producing uh, different kinds of goods, part of the micro-enterprise. 
Now, for them, for those children, the notion of literacy and numeracy is different. That's what I'm trying to say. That in 2.1, if we only restrict definition of numeracy as ability to read and comprehend, uh, ability to read and uh, read numbers and carry out basic uh, operations, mathematical arithmetical operations, that will be too restrictive and too limiting. Because often children from such background as I described just now, they bring to the fore, in fact, they, they bring to the classroom so much of diverse knowledge practices from their community, which we refer to as knowledge resource or funds of knowledge of the community, which even children, young children have access to, because those are seen as something which is valorized and which are seen as important to learn. Now, in those contexts, this limiting definition of numeracy and foundational literacy would be very dangerous because coming from the, this perspective, most likely those children will always be treated as, have, as if they have not attained it. You see, uh, as I said, you know, I'm, I'm repeating once again, children even from grade six who were 11 years old, 12 years old, were not able to write four digit or five digit numbers, but they could carry out mathematical operations very, very correctly, all mental operations. They could actually identify the number, you know, by treating the number as amount of money. For I for the for those groups of children, a number is actually an amount of money to be distributed, to be added, you know, to be you know uh, stacked together, and what kind of all kinds of you know every arithmetical operation has a meaning. You see, if a division has a meaning, like distribution of money among so many people, subtraction has a meaning. You know, you deduct your profit or you deduct your wage and you give up whatever you know there are interpretations the point is it would be too limiting if we simply look at what the policy says in the it, as a way to identify or see whether numeracy is attained or foundational literacy is attained and so this could lead to different you know diverse other problems in fact we will be ending up Sorry, Ashish. We will be then ending up reinventing the same wheel as we have been doing already. So I don't see any way or in any manner in which the policy takes us further. It's rather reinventing the same wheel. Over to you. Yeah. So I was saying it is uh, very true that it is the limiting nature of the definition of foundation literacy, which does not actually acknowledge the resource which comes with the student. Uh, so, I, my question is, is setting 2025 as the target year for universalization, uh, so universal attainment of foundational numeracy, a realistic target? So, as you said, like, you know, what were, you, what were we doing before this policy? Are we actually, were we like focusing on foundational numeracy or not? So, is it possible in this given time frame that, uh, you know, by 2025, we should attain uh, foundational numeracy? Well, it's difficult to say, but, uh, you know, universalization of elementary education as part of SSA, Sarvansiksha uh, Bhyan, you know, it was part, and we, we could not meet that goal, you know, and uh, so setting up a five-year target is, of course, uh, good, ambitious, and but I keep my fingers crossed and uh, with a pinch of salt because, uh, Unless we really gear up to find true meaning of you know, numeracy, you know, just for the sake of uh, 
having on record that well we have attained it we might actually but will that really add to comprehension and understanding is what i'm saying in fact on one hand there are children like middle class middle uh, class children belonging to middle class families uh, often are able to perhaps write a number or copy a number from the book and carry out operations and so on without even understanding what the what the arithmetical sum the problem asked for because they knew that a similar task which is was solved on the board on the whiteboard or blackboard by the teacher was done in so many steps following so many rules or you know that many operations a child may be able to do that you know exactly copy the steps and copy down the numbers without even knowing what they are doing now here is an example where we will say probably that well the child has attained numeracy because the child is able to write you know a number and also carry out basic operations arithmetical operations on the other hand the example that i gave where the child was not even able to write a number if you dictate it if you ask them to write 2725 probably they wouldn't write 2725 and something else but they actually understand how much that amount is that numberness you know that how much is 2725 you know that meaning of that number you know how much it carries you know the value of it you know that numberness is something which i believe must be attached with numeracy because numeracy is not just knowing a number a knowledge about numeracy is not about being able to write the number or being able to carry out operation but it also must include comprehension so i'm not sure if 5 years is a realistic target it is certainly ambitious and one why wouldn't one hope for it you know always you know we are all academic researchers we hope for the best of the country for our citizens i would rather keep my fingers crossed for this but i don't see that to be a realistic target yeah uh, yes uh, so we had like various programs like ssa or dpp you know in the past where they talked about universalization of primary education but uh, which is still not achieved so i also believe that it is a realistic it's not a realistic target to achieve by 2025 uh, my question is the policy envisions its implementation according to the stage wise grade target uh, what if the child does not attend foundation numeracy in the subsequent grades like you know uh, the new 5 plus 3 plus 3 model and uh, they are saying that by grade 3 the child should achieve a foundational literacy and numeracy so how mm. do you think policy is addressing the situation what if the child does not attend even by grade 3 i have no answer for that ashish mainly because the policy is silent on that part you know it doesn't really say what will happen to a child so is the child going to be detained at grade 3 at that stage and not promoted or does the child carry along that baggage of non comprehension you know carry carry along that backlog you know in further classes so that tension will remain you know and that tension remains anyway you know in at every stage so i don't see that as as a major challenge as well because uh, often that stays and sometimes uh, with uh, further exposure or further you know attunement to that uh, kind of an exposure or practice in higher grades often children develop that comprehension later on and clear those backlog that is possible that happens so i would rather hope for that but yes the policy silent yes uh, it's like the missing part of the puzzle where 
I mean, uh, the policy is not talking about like if the child has a learning disability, what about them? You know. So there exactly. are various question uh, which comes with this. Absolutely, so Ashish. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. Absolutely, no. you're right. In fact, uh, reading the policy, you one feels that it's keeping that child from a middle class, urban child from a middle class family in in the focus. And the policy is uh, you know created keeping that child in mind. There is uh, no mention or if we envisage a child from disadvantaged communities from communities which have uh, say living in low income you know huge low income settlements in every big city has you know with uh, immigrants from different other states you know look at delhi look at mumbai look at any other metropolitan town where we have large influx of immigrants from different states right and uh, the covid pandemic has emerged that in fact it has indicated to us that division even more right and the policy doesn't seem to be speaking to children of those families. Keep aside or forget about other groups like tribals or people from different other dis disadvantaged communities or not to talk about children with special needs. These are not being addressed. So that is, a, uh, I think it's a very, uh, in, uh, seen from a very limiting perspective. It brings out it. It brings out that limiting limiting perspective and doesn't really do justice to every part of the population. So, so the policy talks about the training uh, training teachers and literate adults to attend the foundational literacy and numeracy. So, what changes are you expecting in the redesign of teacher education? Well, <laughs> there are two things, Ashish. First, uh, you know, this uh, perspective, you know, uh, which is a quite Vygotskian perspective, thinking coming from socio-cultural approach, if they're really doing that, you know, uh, the most knowledgeable other. But that happens even now. There's nothing new about it. As I said, you know, communities which valorize work context, hand skills, and, and valorize their funds of knowledge, their knowledge resource, which is there in the as part of the community culture, and which they find as an important resource to be imparted to a, to the newer generation. Who do you think is actually doing this? Uh, you know, imparting literacy and numeracy knowledge to the children. Of course, there are people around the child in the community from that because you need you see in the, those communities. A house, there's a different concept of home and family. The entire community can be can be a child's family. And it's just a larger family set. And there, there are others apart from teachers who are doing this. In fact, when I was giving those examples, who do you think the child learned about uh, those, uh, you know, handling currency denominations and so on? Obviously, not in the school. So such things are always going on, already been happening but has not been acknowledged in the policy. Rather, it says that other people will be appointed or trained to, uh, to impart numeracy and literacy uh, trainings. Now, I fear, I fear for the teachers. Does that mean that teacher cadre will be diluted? There is a danger of that, Ashish. So therefore, uh, on one hand, uh, I really decry that the policy has not acknowledged this fact that in, in India, uh, you come from any part of the 
any of the communities from any part of the any part of the country you know be it tribal be it, uh, child, i mean children coming from immigrant families and so on there is a culture already in place where such knowledge you know part of community practice and culture is already imparted being imparted to children by the community elders or whoever as i said it's a big family but now if i if we start diluting it and giving training to anybody you know who we think is fit for becoming a teacher then i think there's a danger already you see uh, to teach primary school primary classes we have uh, in place the system where uh, a student who has cleared 12th grade 12 passed grade 12 and does one or two years of diploma in elementary education or diploma in education you know these are the two terminologies which means grade 12 plus one year or two years of learning become eligible to teach in primary section so i would say that already we have something very dangerous in place you know primary grade primary grades are those period where children actually need very very experienced hands and who would disagree to that rather than providing experienced teachers to that group of children we have already diluted it and made dlr as a mandatory criterion to appoint teachers and this policy i'm saying that it is becoming even more uh, setting a even more a dangerous precedence by even diluting that and just saying that anybody or everybody on the street can be invited and trained and they would impart numeracy knowledge and literacy knowledge i totally discard this and decry this is hilarious this is atrocious and i don't know where it comes from who gives these ideas where is this idea drawn from another thing it's an academic if it is an academic document the policy must actually refer some of the literature some of the research literature or cite some documents where these ideas have been taken from which the policy doesn't the policy also doesn't it take into account what previous policies could not attain or what previous policies did or could not do i ask why was this policy even needed at the first place something did not happen in the past that's why isn't it if something did not happen in the past why didn't you make it clear what did not what did not happen what went wrong and let us try to address that and not dilute things which are already in place i think we need a policy which strengthens our system which strengthens our government school system public education system and not dilute them i agree sir like the primary education primary uh, uh, students initially uh, i feel where is this coming from where that the primary school students should you know the teach what about the qualification who decides this uh, i am not about it also um, you are very right when you said like we need more trained hands when it comes to primary education which is because it is very crucial um, so my next question sir uh, is uh, the policy kind of addresses two kind of students here just like the ncf 2005 where they say uh, you know narrow goals and higher goals so what do you think how the policy is catering to the needs of this two types of students which they are differentiating i'm not really getting your question ashish can you repeat it sorry so, yeah 
the policy understands two two learning levels here okay the students who need foundational lit uh, literacy and numeracy and one uh, who have already achieved it uh, so so both the students here how is the policy catering to their needs well you mean uh, two different groups one group from the the preparatory phase and then the next stage is it that what you're asking well i don't see see even that division of uh, stages you know 5 plus 3 plus 3 plus 4 i think that is already in place in fact we have the concept of anganwadi you know the 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 present preparatory phase which is for 5 years which will include 3 years of preschool and 2 years of grade 1 and grade 2 well that is welcome but the point is anganwadi system actually does it but yes it's nice to see that now this is becoming this is being formalized and it will be part of schooling system you know which is nice but nowhere you know if we find try to see in the document what it mentions about anganwadi system it only says you know uh, you know it talks about anganwadi system that the workers or teachers who are working already in the in those systems they will be trained through a systematic effort in accordance with the curricular and pedagogical framework as developed by ncert yeah and uh, it says further says and i'm quoting that anganwadi workers or teachers with qualification of 10 plus 2 and above shall be given a 6 month certificate program in ecce then ecce is a very well defined uh, concept with so much of research happening and so much of literature literature available i don't see the policy is actually you know drawing some of those ideas from the from research or carrying forward some of these it is coming as a very as a very superficial superficially written as as a 6 month program what what would that 6 month certificate program mean what will it entail who's going to decide that all these are not written and therefore coming back to your question about two groups of different groups of students i'm not really clear i'm not getting a clear picture from the policy so therefore i can only say that some of it is already part of the system it's giving a new Uh, uh you know a new name you know a new nomenclature a new categorization even the categorization was there earlier right we used to say low primary upper primary and so so there's not much change you know as being portrayed yeah yes sir um actually my question uh, was uh, you have uh, answered it but uh, i would like to repeat the question so the policy understands students of two learning levels one with the foundational numeracy and one without so my question was what do you think how policy is catering to the needs of both these types of students so that has to be i i don't see that being catered to but uh, i also know that policy alone cannot do everything you see Uh, it would be too uh, ambitious on our part to expect everything from the policy see based on the policy curricular frameworks are drawn so now to answer your question ashish i will have to wait and see how the national curriculum framework the new framework which is being prepared as i know as i have heard 
or as we understand now we have to wait and see how the ncf the new ncf will interpret the policy and to answer this question you know to address this so not everything policy prescribes you no know, but it indicates but the problem is the policy does not indicate in clear words right so it, it it's now depend it, it will be now dependent dependable about uh, how dependable on how it's interpreted by the by those who are preparing the ncf document so it will be contingent on their decision yeah surely sir when the framework comes out it will be more clear like how the policy is you know envisioning envisioning thing so yeah. uh, my next question sir is uh, do you think the dependence of student learning and teacher education on a online platform called teeksha uh, for foundational literacy is problematic in some way are we assuming this digital platform or infrastructure accessible to all well uh, digital uh, platforms have their own affordances and it's good that we are gearing up to towards meaningful use of technology so that is really good but come you know catering to the needs of children with you know of that age group who are very very small like at the preschool stage or early school stage you know preparatory stage because that's where you introduce foundational literacy and numeracy i'm not sure how much technology platform can be of help at that stage you know for those children i understand you know some of these uh, online channels or technology enabled platforms are really useful and and that's where we also need to pitch in keeping in mind the question of access and digital divide which are there you know very very rampant very very apparent nonetheless it's important that we also keep on exploring uh, effectiveness of uh, you know use of technology and their affordances but i'm not really sure how would diksha platform cater to the needs of children that small you know at the preschool and early school level i'm not really very really sure about that over to you yes sir because most of the students like even in the pandemic are people do not have internet uh you know devices to you know learn something most of them uh a population mostly stays in villages so uh drawing no, the uh, sorry ashish cutting you short even oh. for children who, are, who live in urban areas you know a child of grade, age 5 6 7 up to that you know this preparatory stage is great till it's going to be till grade 2 right so you are talking about children from age 3 till age 7 literally those five years age 3 age 4 age 5 age 6 age 7 five years i don't know even if even urban children of that age would actually make any sense from the diksha platform you know uh, make any sense when where there is no hand holding or will they have you know there will be attention uh, deficiency how do you retain their interest how do you you know because uh, you, we all understand children of that age that small so age 3 age 4 at age 5 there is attention deficiency as well they could be interested in many things and not just look at the at the platform at the screen right 
how do you in, in fact even for adults it's very difficult to even stick to the screen all the time watching it so i do not know if even if it if, if it is even viable to even think of it or in what ways it's being thought of well if if through diksha platform we think think of uh, imparting tpd teacher professional development workshops or trainings and they in turn do it for the children then that's a different question right okay. uh yes uh, because most of the adults also like suffer using the technology this application this new application coming up uh so drawing back from the concept of more knowledgeable others uh which is not new you said uh so one of the section uh, also talks about one on one on one peer tutoring to be extremely effective for learning and mentoring of the child so according to you what could be the nature of learning in such a setting will it be dialogic or democratic or hierarchical hierarchical in nature what do you think about it well it depends who is our peer again you see the policy doesn't it, it falls short of defining the peer you know is the peer my classmate is the peer a few years senior to me in the same school who is my peer or is the peer my friend from the community now if we talk about such peers like friends from communities or elders in the community or my you know my co-workers in the community that's already been happening that's what you know anthropologists and cultural psychologists like jean lev barbara rogoff you know they have been saying guided participation is is that's what guided participation is so it depends which peer we are referring to i'm not clear on that in fact policy doesn't mention about it clearly so uh, the policy highlights that uh, the enjoyable and inspirational books will be available in local languages uh, mm -hmm. do you think this is contextualization will it help students to better comprehend the content of the book any book you know any book with with many pictures many real life examples contextualized examples um will be joyful you know children enjoy those books so it's it's a good idea that you know if you have if we try to present many such books and resources and make these available to to the larger population you know disadvantaged communities and so on but the problem is again ashish interpretation how the word inspirational books will be interpreted you know by those who are framing ncf or those who are writing you know there is always a danger of such you know open ended or vague terminologies this is quite vague as of now what does it mean by saying inspirational is it about someone's autobiography or someone's biography is it going to be about some religious figures coming from theology is it coming is, is it going to be about some uh, some characters from some movie some sport what is it this could be interpreted in several other ways you know so uh, not sure what it really means yes so it was actually not clear why they are including uh, this part like inspirational book stories and uh, you know numeracy part uh, not clear at all so 
So any concluding thoughts on how the section on numeracy could have been better envisioned by the policy? I would have expected that, you know, some of the recent uh, literature, research literature was referred to. In fact, some of the research literature coming from India or in similar contexts in other countries from even those nations who have done really well in attaining numeracy and literacy like South Asian countries, Southeast Asian countries, uh, Singapore, Taiwan, or even Scandinavian countries like Finland, Sweden, Denmark, and so on. If we could have referred to some of those success stories, listen to what research documents say, policy currently is completely silent on it. It comes from a very uh, superficial, you know, from a very common sense knowledge perspective. These are some of the very, uh, I would say, very important ideas of uh, child psychology or child's cognitive development, right? And this can't be just catered to by commonsensical knowledge, but rather it should be backed by, backed up by uh, good research literature and review of those, which I think is missing uh, uh, currently in the present form. Thank you, sir. Uh, I have no more questions to ask. So uh, it was great talking to you, sir. We got many insights and uh, different perspectives to look at the policy. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, I surely believe this insight will, you know, give us like very different perspective to think and read the policy differently. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Ashish, for the opportunity. Thank you very much. Thanks. That is all for today. We will be back with another episode shortly. This podcast is brought to you by the Center for Excellence in Teacher Education Initiative at Tata Institute of Social Sciences, Mumbai. Thank you for listening. Have a good day.